0: Shotgun snap, quick throw, caught by Green, it It it, is a touchdown,
1: Adriel,
0: Jeremiah Green. You don't live in Cleveland,
2: you live in Cincinnati. Hello and welcome to episode 96 of Cincinnati, the Bengals UK podcast that is finally in pads, in camp. And live scrimmaging. That's right, I do like the word scrimmage. So whenever they get a chance to use it, I'm all over it. Uh, Joining me, uh, as ever, on the line from somewhere is Nathan Palmer. Nathan, are you in pads and are you scrimmaging at this moment in time?
0: (laughs) Not at this moment in time, son, but if we continue to get some more injuries, then um, I'm always available to suit up for the Bengals if they need me.
2: Well, there we go. Uh, you're on the end of another line. Um, you're not in the... Sorry, there the are people outside my my door talking, but that's the kind of chaos that we revel in. This is this is what we work in. This is what we work best in, chaos. Um, we, we
0: love a bit of working off the cuff on Cincinnati, don't we, sir?
2: We do, indeed. Uh, you're not in England, are you?
0: I'm a few days away in Italy at the moment, yeah, trying to make the most of... Uh... While well, you're allowed to travel to some countries before it all locks down again, I think. So uh, yeah, it. enjoying it.
2: Another holiday, holiday, Nathan. Vacation, Palmer will be calling you uh, at some point. No, fair play. Hey, if c- you can do it, then why c- not? C-
0: c- Cincinnati, Cincinnati pays the bills. Is all I'll say. You know, the more <laughs> listeners we're getting, son, you, you're just choosing to save the money up for a, a Caribbean adventure. I think.
2: Yeah, one of them nudist beaches in Jamaica, one of those swinging (laughs) swinging resorts in Jamaica, I'd be...
0: I could, honestly, I could see you as a bit of a swinger. What? I could see you as a bit of a, like, you know, like, perusing around these sort of swingers parties, you. I could honestly see that, with a bottle of red, like, really, like, looking really sophisticated, like, a cheese board, bottle of red. Little where, cigar, where, where one of those
2: cheeseboard. Well, hold on, let's let's break this down. A, I would not go to a swingers resort really. And B, I'd never been able <laughs> to how could you carry a full cheese board and a bottle of wine whilst kind of trying to look cool? That's virtually impossible. Well,
0: look, you walk into the you walk into the place, you say hello, you you brought your cheese board, you put it down on the table, and, right, and you've got your yeah. hands are free, and you need your hands to be free.
2: Well, I wouldn't know why you would need your hands free at that sort of thing, Nathan. That's uh,
0: that's. So that's... you could get to the cheeses, and there might be some grapes and some hazelnuts. Well, that about, that like, would you
2: know? be the problem if I ever did go to one of these swinging clubs. I'd be more interested, I think, in the <laughs> cheese board than the uh, the swinging. I think I do like a good cheese
0: board, don't you? Yeah, I do like a good. I I actually um, had some gorgonzola the other night with walnuts and honey. It was absolutely oh, don't delicious.
2: honestly. Che like real strong cheese with honey is I think we've
0: spoken about this. And before. some nuts. And some nuts. Exactly. To give it a bit of crunch. Oh. Bit of
2: texture. Now this is what we're talking about. Can we just talk about cheese for the rest of the programme, please? Um <laughs> Okay. So from camembert to Camembert, Did you see did you see what I did there?
0: Did you... That's impressive, son. That, that's why you host this podcast. That's why exactly. you've got the credentials you have.
2: That's why no one's paying me the big bucks. That is exactly why. <laughs> um, do you care about camp, Nathan?
0: Do I care? Absolutely. You know, it's a good chance, especially with you no know, preseason. It's a great chance to see the players get into their groove, gelling together, seeing the rookies um, step up, hopefully, and make a name for themselves to get onto the roster. So. Been interesting to and you, know, you know, a big thanks to a lot of the journalists and media outlets that are covering camp at the moment under difficult circumstances and bringing the news to Twitter and various publications out there. It's been a good watch so far, I think. And I think for the most part, bar a few in, uh, injuries, there's been some decent looking performances out there, wouldn't you say so?
2: Yeah, yeah. Just to break off, we will be talking to ESPN's Ben Baby. He's coming back uh, on to the podcast uh, to talk about camp. He he was quite uh, into it at the weekend. I think he, he compiled proper stats for the first live scrimmage on the Friday. We're, of course, recording on Monday the 24th, so it's a couple of days afterwards. But um, you can only, I mean, there's just, I find it a bit dizzying, I have to say, um, at camp, because... You hear, like, Joe Burrow's fantastic one day, and the next day he's, like, throw, throwing interceptions. Uh, next day you're like, oh, the defensive line didn't look good. And then the next day it's kind of, my goodness me, Carlos Dunlap, you know, Sam Hubbard, Geno Atkins, DJ Reader's looking fantastic. And there's like, oh, Trey Hopkins has just handled DJ Reader well in a, in another rep. And I just find it difficult to pick the bones out of... This sort of flurry of 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 up and down seesawness. Do you know what I mean? It's kind of like
0: yeah, I do agree. I do agree. And it's difficult and it's to that, form it's, it's an that. opinion
2: on it, isn't it really?
0: Yeah, it's always that back and forth. If the offense is destroying the defense, is that was that is our offense good or is the defense bad? Do you know what I mean? It's always that yeah, sort of like yeah you know, difficulty in translating what it all means. And, I, you know, we've said a lot on the podcast, I won't go into this again, but obviously without a pre-season, for those rookies and guys on the fringe of the roster, it's such a difficult process in camp to really catch someone's eye. I mean, you can put in a great bit of work ethic and you know outwork some of the yeah. other people but i think sometimes in those drills especially when everyone's trying to minimize injury it's harder to show real talent in those drills they're just not everyone's playing at 100% you you can't be that plucky rookie that you know gets two fumbles in a preseason game and catches your eye or you know is just able to be in the right place at the right time to get that opportunity it's harder in camp when no one's going full contact Everyone's sort of you know just sort of be, just trying not to hurt each other and You've not got that same level of competition you'd have in a preseason game, and I think that's severely. I as, as I hate the preseason. I think it's a bit of a mess. Yeah, and it's not much. It's not much of a watch. I do feel bad for those guys that you know for their jobs and their future NFL careers. They haven't got that opportunity. No,
2: you're absolutely right, and um, it. Ha- I mean, it has been interesting. As I say, one time, tar- you know, you. We've been hearing that Josh Bynes has been absolutely brilliant, but then he got roasted on a couple of things. Jacques Patrick, the XFL star that the Bengals signed and pretty much everyone forgot about. He's been rumbling around the the training pitch looking good, so he's applying pressure to that kind of, la- you would imagine, the kind of last place on the roster for a running back. It could be him v- versus uh, Samajay Perine. Um Jack,
0: Jack Patrick is a solid handle right there, isn't it? Well,
2: it's a, <laughs> absolutely it's got a bit of everything, isn't it? A bit of French sophistication. Uh well, just a bit of French sophistication, really. Um
0: he's, he's the new he's the new Pierre Garcon.
2: There you go, that's right, yeah. Maybe you can make up an NFL eleven of French names, perhaps. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> well it'd just be probably Pierre Garcon and uh, what about uh Pierre Paul? Can have yeah, him in yeah, there. Jason Pierre-Paul. That's a good shout. Yeah, yeah. Just off the top of my head, who else? Uh, um, that's oh, it, really. Is it? That's it. Brilliant. That, that would be more.
0: definitely. If you, could, if anyone on the pod can name some French-sounding NFL players, send yeah. them
2: in. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I mean, apparently, Mike Thomas is having a really good camp. The again at the on the edge of that wide receiver room, he's facing a battle to. Stay on the roster. And you've got to imagine that it could be between him and Alex Ericsson perhaps. Auden Tate is being Auden Tate. We've been hearing that that he's had another really good offseason. And that's what I like about Auden Tate. He came back last year and he had noticeably improved his separation and his overall game. And what we're hearing at the moment, he's still making those fantastic catches. But also... He's improved yet again in and out of his break. So I like players that do that, you know, that, that really go away and work hard on their game in the off season.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's I think that's what you need, isn't it? Players that, you know, have really put the work in the offseason, hone their craft, are able to sort of step up where they can in limited opportunities. And Alden Tate's always one of those guys, seventh round pick. Odd stacked against him, not the fastest guy, struggles to create separation, but every single year has done something, be it in camp, be it in preseason, or whatever, to stand out and make people take notice. And I think he's the shining example of if you are a late-round pick, you're undrafted free agent, there is a way for you onto the roster if you can show it.
2: Yep, absolutely. There are, there are I mean, you've just, just got to take uh, your opportunities when you're given them really and and as you say quite rightly that this year there aren't as many opportunities to shine really so uh, I mean you'll hear Ben a little bit later talk about the uh, the quarterback room which I'm intrigued about and he's got some interesting ideas Um, we're also hearing like Drew Samples come back in his second year and done really really well Uh, but it's interesting as well to see if there are any kind of hints about scheme or how how you know they're going to line them up and all that kind of stuff and from what you what you can see that certainly Sam Hubbard and Carlos Dunlap have been dropping into coverage uh, on reps uh, and um, you know Dunlap has been rushing not from a hand in the dirt stance like he normally would do at the end position but sort of you know. In a standing position, like you would do on a on a kind of a three-four outside linebacker. Um, so that's an interesting thing to watch. I'm still not that keen on dropping. I mean, Dunlap no, is a fantastic to... player, but I'm still not keen on on dropping him into coverage.
0: No, I know. No. I think they've tried that a few times in the past, and it's never. I don't think it's, it's never covered themselves in glory in doing so. But oh, like you said, you can't question the athletic ability um, of Dunlap and Hubbard, but we'll we'll wait to see how it looks in practice.
2: Absolutely. Uh, Lawson, apparently Carl Lawson is looking like a million dollars as he normally does in training camp. The big question for Carl Lawson is can he stay healthy uh, for a a good chunk because we all know what a talent he is and you just want to see him on that football field uh, more really.
0: Go back so just to what you said earlier about um, Drew Sample. He's the guy really that I think more than anyone on the whole roster needs a good camp and needs to take a step forward because you forget with him he's a second round pick. I mean normally a second round pick, it was also a higher second round pick. It wasn't like it was like right at the bottom of the second round. Those are guys that in year two you expect to be producers. You know, they really are guys that you expect to come in there and make a bit of a difference. And I think for him, I know he's been working out with Burrow in the off-season, which has been probably excellent for his, you know, to build up some chemistry and sort of gel with some of the players. But he's a guy that we really need to see more of because C.J. is a decent player, you know, at a very average, if not below average year last year for someone that got a contract extension. And I think if we have someone that can step up, challenge him um, and look... Like he can live up to that draft status of a high second round pick, then that's going to be a massive addition for us on offense. So I'm hopeful that this offseason work, good training camp for Drew Sample, can translate into the regular season.
2: Yeah, I mean, I I also think that you know you can put in Michael Jordan, who needs a really good camp. All these second year guys who who found things tough sledding last year, and I do think Sample will be a solid player. You know, it's I hope it will be this year. You know, but as we all know, some players. Take longer to mature, uh, both mentally and physically, and and play the game at the level that it's, ex- that it's expected of them in the NFL. You know, it is, it is, it is a you know everyone's different really. Uh, Michael Jordan's come back apparently and looks bigger, more aggressive. Um, uh, jo- it's just good to see Jonah Williams doing some reps as well. And by all accounts, he's having a pretty good camp. He looks the part. On the outside, he's being rarely beaten, perhaps a few times on the inside, but certainly on the outside, which is what you want on that on that blind side of the quarterback. So, you know, it's exciting. Um, I'm still, from what I'm hearing, the secondary looks a bit up and down. Um, so I don't know. It's difficult to form any opinions because one day you hear the secondary is awful and then the next day you hear about LaShawn Sims making plays. You hear about... Winston Rose picking Burrow off. Yeah, you hear about William Jackson having a decent camp, but then the next day it's back to it goes back to my point really. Just you know at the start, but you know it, it is a real seesaw thing at the moment. So it is difficult, but it is certainly exciting to see everyone in pads. You know uh, John Ross has come back thankfully. Uh, his family are recovering from COVID. Uh, AJ Green. Is uh, kind of, I think, today, we, on the Monday, we've just read he's in pads again, so no doubt he'll be running around and catching balls again, which is great news. T Higgins has caught some stuff over the past day or so. And it's actually only just under three weeks away from the start of the season. Incredible stuff.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, 20 days and then we're going to be lining up against the Chargers. I was looking at the odds today. The Bengals are underdogs, 2.55 versus the Chargers, I think about Mm -hmm. 1.6. So, um, yeah, the Chargers favourites, which is going to be interesting. I think actually the Bengals, good value there. I mean, obviously, rookie quarterback against rookie quarterback. Um, I think the old Bengals could be. I think first game of the season, I believe it's at home. Am I right in saying we're starting off at home for the first time in a long time? So,
2: yeah,
0: for me, that's a game that we've got to win. That I mean, it's you know, starting out, you Justin Herbert, fellow first round pick. Yeah, the, the defence, aren't they, aren't gets they starting
2: Tyrod Taylor
0: Ty, though? Is that what they're doing? Is I it? think so.
2: But I am, I'm 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 really
0: being if following so even better too. opportunity you know veteran been around the league a lot of times Tyrod Taylor's not a bad player but he's certainly not you know your typical starting caliber NFL quarterback he's sort of a friend you know one of those guys that's he's had some success throughout the league but never can sort of stick it out um, that's a, that's a game I think if you're the Bengals and you want to have any chance of getting sort of eight wins or more under your belt that you've got to win there at home against the Chargers to start things off
2: how do you fancy Joey Bosa? Melvin Ingram versus, uh, let's just pick.
0: Sorts. Versus Joe Boy.
2: No, versus versus uh, Bobby Hart and Jonah, you know. I mean, that's key. I mean, they've got a pretty good uh, defensive line, or pass rush at least. So that's going to be think... a key. But, let, uh, you know, we can talk about that nearer the time. But that's one area. You're looking at Keenan Allen versus William Jackson, perhaps. Um, it's going to be interesting.
0: I think what you said about Jonah Williams is a really good point. I think he's the guy as well. Obviously, we talked about Sample, but Jonah Williams, first-round pick, highly regarded, desperately, desperately missed last year with him being injured. And he's one guy that I haven't heard many bad things about during camp. And like you said, obviously, there's a lot of different narratives being spun around at the moment. But if he can stay healthy and play to his potential, that's probably i mean we've talked about the line so many times and that if it's going to be anywhere near good enough this season a lot of things are going to have to happen and this is certainly one of the biggest things in what needs to happen is him to be good and him to be healthy and him to play to a high standard and so far that looks like the tick is in the box and you know it's going to be interesting that's gonna be a hell of a first test for him like you just said against the Chargers on opening day but I'm really hopeful that he can stay healthy and have a good season because we have got some, to be positive, we have got some exciting pieces on this team that we didn't have last year with him and obviously, we, you know, looking at people like DJ Reader, Mackenzie Alexander, um, T Higgins, That I think I heard today, had some spectacular grabs. So there are some exciting players. Obviously, Joe Burrow as well added into that mix. So I am excited. It's going to be interesting to see how it actually gels together. Um, I mean, you only need to look at the Cincinnati Reds for an example of exciting free agents and additions in an offseason that just does not gel and does not work as a team this year as an example of that. But if Zach Taylor can blend these guys together, build a winning culture, build a good locker room in this limited offseason, then it's going to be a hell of an achievement from him.
2: Yeah, I have to say the more I see camp and the more kind of inconsistency of it all and I don't think we're going to be – I was reading up a bit on the Rams and they were saying that that their media was saying, God, you know, some days looks good, some days looks awful. And I think that is going to be throughout the league. So I think there's going to be some really bad football games uh, <laughs> in the first couple of weeks because
0: – No, I think you might be right. You know,
2: but at least we've got football back. Let's delve uh, a little bit more into camp. Well, I did promise a special guest and I'm delighted to say that ESPN's beat re- reporter – ben baby is back with us on the podcast ben welcome back good to well we're zooming so i can see you but uh listeners will obviously hear you so so welcome back it's great to to see and hear you again
1: yeah it's good good to see you and i, I see like you we were talking about a little earlier it looks like you're enjoying some tea i'm a little jealous um, <laughs> as an indian i tried to, it's funny my mom you know may try to get me to drink tea she makes tea every uh, afternoon and i growing up i was like ah you know never really liked it was a coffee person and yeah. as i got older i mean that's probably one of my favorite parts of being back is going home and she's got tea ready at about three and and so it's kind of nice
2: where does your uh, so your mom was born in in let's just i mean if people don't know you are from indian heritage yes um and your mom was
1: born in india yeah, both my parents were born in India, right. and they you moved, were born
2: in the U.S., right? Yes,
1: and they moved to Texas, in, I want—I want to say the late '80s, and I, where right. I was born. So yeah, I'm a—I'm okay. I'm, a—I'm uh, a Texan, yeah. And then my parents with an Indian heritage, so I confuse a lot of people. The second, I open my mouth, they go, "What's going on here?" So yeah. Now, as a, you
2: mentioned, Indians are the masters of tea growing and tea exporting. Yes. And uh, we take it for granted over here. We can just nip down to the shop, the corner shop, and buy some peachy tips or Yorkshire gold or whatever it might be. Um, is is tea a big thing in the States? Because obviously being British, we get the piss ripped out of us for drinking tea all the time. Oh, hello, drinking tea, are we? Um, but uh, over there, is tea a big thing? Is it kind of getting bigger? Has it always been big or is it just within those kind of pockets of Indian communities dotted around the... The country that tea is a thing still
1: yeah i think you're starting to see like it's kind of you're starting to see the hip thing to do is, is drink tea i think if you want to be a you know a countercultural person you drink it you know i i love a good cup of chai if i can find it you know because it's so hard to come by and you know usually you know the problem is if you got it you get spoiled and i enjoy it when it's homemade and so i, I gotta really know who's making it. it's almost It's like, it's like I'm getting barbecue. i got to, who's the pit master? Who's the one making it? That's the same thing with my tea. So, you know, I was telling, I was saying, you know, I was, I was joking. I feel like uh, I'm I'm a little jealous of you. You you can also find some good chicken tikka masala rolling around um, anywhere in England as well. And I've been trying to badger my wife. I said, if an NFL job opens up in London, uh, I will definitely, uh, you know, hop on it because I'm am a big fan of, of British sporting culture and British culture in general.
2: Well, um, I noticed about, I mean, just just from you appearing on the last podcast, I mean, you were driving back. I think it was from Cleveland. I think you were. I think
1: it was the. I think it was the Steelers game.
2: All right, okay. It was a divisional rival. I seem to yes. remember. Yes, uh, but we we took off air. We were well not off air, but before the I press record, you were talking about your love for Arsenal. That's right. Um. And they've had a pretty much improved, I guess, season. So you must have been happy with the FA Cup uh, uh, result. Uh, also, because of your Indian heritage, you're a close uh, and a bit a close follower of cricket as well. That's right. Uh, and obviously, we've had the the Test matches against uh, the West Indies and and Pakistan at the moment. So you must have been kind of watching with the situation in America. I know things are improving now in terms of uh, Major League Baseball. That's been going a little while. Uh, the NBA is in their kind of bio bubble, weird uh, bio bubble in in Disney World or Disneyland, wherever. Uh, but now you're just getting football back, or it seems <laughs> like it feels a bit more like football. Have you been yeah. watching? Have you been watching? Um, British sport with, a, with an eye to see how we've been handling it and how it's been received and what they've been doing with it.
1: Yeah, I think I think if, if you were smart, I mean, I'm not a, I'm not a decision maker, but if I was, I would definitely be keeping track of what's going on in Europe. And, you know, you talk about the Bundesliga coming back and then the EPL uh, phase back in, and, and now it's been great to see. I love watching, you know, because of the time difference, the fact I love it when, when there's cricket in England going on because it fits in perfect. It's in the morning you know, I can watch it. I can turn on a test match at seven o'clock and I've been able to watch uh, some of the West Indies and Pakistan games. I mean, heck, I've got an Eddie, Eddie Hearn boxing card on my TV right now. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's honestly, it's, it's been really good to see how well um, it's come back in the UK. You know, I've gotten into F1 recently as well. And I okay. know that the races over there. Uh, I've gotten off without a hitch and it's been, it's been encouraging and to see the bubble and it is Disney world, Disneyland and Disney world are two very distinct places. People will get upset uh, if if you mess those up, but it's been good to see that, you know, I think it shows that if you take the precautions, you do the necessary testing, you can control the virus. And I think that's one thing that we've learned, whether it's over there or over here, that as long as you take it seriously and you approach it the right way, you can get a handle on it to where you can kind of somewhat resume a normal life. And so that's been that's been good to see.
2: Yeah, I agree. I totally agree with you. Um well let's let neatly segues into the Bengals. If anybody had, had tuned in about five minutes ago, this is not a podcast about tea or curry or British sport. It is a Bengals podcast. So uh you must have been after being locked down for so long, you must have been delighted to be back at uh, uh Paul Brown Stadium and, and back seeing the players in action. Um, and from what we've been hearing, we had Marissa Contepelli on last week, uh, and it sounds as if they are taking it very seriously. Um, do you feel that around the practice fields and uh, and when when you're watching practice, I know that the journalists are kind of on their own little stage at the side of mm-hmm. of the the practice field, which is unlike you know previous years. Um, does it feel as though the, the club are taking it seriously?
1: Yeah. you know, you definitely, you know, you can tell, I mean, heck I had a question for a coach yesterday and he was like, I can't really go talk to you. And it's a weird I had to wait for him as he was leaving the practice field. Cause you, the practice field is right across from the stadium for yeah. those who don't know. And, and so they have to cross the street, which is public property. So we were able to be out there um, yeah. and you've, you've seen some fans out there and, and he was like, hey, you know, and, you know, I can't really talk or this, that, and the other. I said, well, you stay six feet over here. I'll stay six feet over here. We'll keep our masks on. And I just – real quick. And so we were able to have a quick conversation, uh, which was good. Um, and so, you know, you can tell that the guys are taking it seriously. The players are taking it seriously. And, you know, the Bengals have uh, – you know, they've reported zero tests, uh, positive tests. You've only had a couple of opt-outs so far. So I, I think that you've seen around the league that uh, people are saying, okay, um, you know if we want to play and we want our paychecks more importantly, uh, this is going to be something that we have to take uh, with, with all precautions and and be serious about it, otherwise, as we 've seen in the states, whether you 've had uh, multiple clubs in Major League Baseball and major League Soccer who have not been able to play because you 've had a couple guys or entire team say, oh, this isn't that big of a deal, and then you have so many positive tests. Mm. Um, we have example after example of if you do not do the things you're supposed to do, the virus will take a foothold, and it just needs a small little crack, mm. and all of a sudden it's going to be a problem.
2: Well, uh, all this being said, it's, it, all that chat is almost like an un- the onion barge, the, uh, the writer, the poppadoms, and the mango chutney, Leading up to the main course. People want to know about the players. And it, uh, we're recording this, what, on the Saturday? This is going to go out on the Monday, the 24th. Um, we've been hearing a lot about Joe Burrow, obviously. And we're going to continue to hear a lot about Joe Burrow. People were very excited about him watching his every throw, every move. Um, discarding all the hype, what what are your first... I mean, of we had first scrimmage yesterday, didn't we? So, um, what 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 have been your first impressions of Joe Burrow?
1: You know, I think he's been pretty sharp. And and the thing is, you're expecting a rookie to struggle when he first comes in, and Joe has been, you know, talking to the coaching staff throughout the offseason, season. They've all said his grasp of things is really, you know, str- you know, it's, it's, it's farther along than other rookies or guys you would expect in that position. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have to understand, and I think being a, no matter how good you are in college, no matter if you were the number one pick or whatever, it is very difficult to come in and immediately be a plug-and-play NFL starting quarterback. Uh, you look at Patrick Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes had to wait. I mean, I, he's a guy with incredible arm talent. You know, I think he's going to be a superstar Um, In the next great quarterback, as we saw last year, as he led the Chiefs to a Super Bowl, he was not someone that they started off immediately. And I think Andy Reid has a great feel for quarterbacks. What did they do? They put him behind Alex Smith for a year, let him get a feel for the game, and then put him in when the time was right. Um, You know, Joe is not going to have that luxury. Joe is going to start immediately. um, You know, unless something drastic happens. But I've been impressed so far. I thought, you know, Zach said it best yesterday. Zach Taylor, the head coach, saying that Joe had good control of the offense and. And they haven't asked him to really go downfield a whole lot. I mean, I think that's the one drawback if you have of Joe is that, you know, his arm strength maybe isn't of the Mahomes or of the Trubisky's or some of these other big arm kind of guys. But his ability to move an offense down the field, which ultimately – I think in today's game is the most important thing about a quarterback. Joe did that really well yesterday. The first two drives where we were able to see really well, um, nine of 10 for 101 yards. The one incompletion was a potential TD to CJ Uzama that, you know, uh, uh, Taylor said yesterday that Joe probably wanted back because it was just mailed a little bit too far, but he still ended that drive with a touchdown pass. So I think that Joe's, you know, more so than his overall vision and feel for the, for the for the game when he's on the field, but his knowledge of things like uh, pass protections, his ability to communicate audibles and, and really get a feel for what his teammates are like and what they're asking him to do has been really good. So that all has been encouraging. But, you know, I think everyone needs to be very realistic with themselves, especially, you know, fans as they say, oh, this looks great. This seems like he's going to come in and be just fantastic immediately. Like that's not necessarily going to be the case. I think, I'm still expecting Joe to take his lumps, really have a feel, feel his way through. Um, and, and to be quite honest, you know, he's going up against the Bengals secondary that is trying to figure some things out. That was completely overhauled for a very good reason uh, mm-hmm. last year. So, you know, I think we need to wait and see what Joe looks like against other teams before we really get a sense of, okay, how good is he going to be?
2: So um, you mentioned Joe. Um, was there and has there been, anything else that you've noticed from any particular position groups? You mentioned the secondary there and you're right. Total, out, perhaps out of all the team, that that position group received the most attention during, their pre-season, during the off-season. Rather. Um, so what else are you noticing? Who are you noticing? Who's kind of having a good camp so far and uh, who maybe has got some work to do?
1: You know, I've I've really liked Auden Tate. I think he had a really good day yesterday, and he's he's looked. I know he was working in uh, Florida throughout the off season, and, and just maybe working on his speed a little bit. And hmm. he does look a little bit more explosive. I I've, I've liked what he's been able to do. Alex Erickson yesterday, I thought had a really nice 27 yard catch uh, down the right sideline, which was huge for him because I think I've got him on the bubble right now. I mean, you go look at all the receivers they've brought in. Um, and Erickson's, you know, utility as a returner you know, on special teams has been huge. Well, I think it, that spot's probably gone with, with Brandon Phillips as the, um, as the kick returner and then Darius Phillips as the punt returner. Um, so that really is going to make it difficult for Erickson to find a spot and for him to play well early yesterday uh, was really good. You know, you're still starting to see – it's still hard to figure out what the defense is going to look like. I know DJ Reeders has been impressive at times, you know, especially as he's been able to go up the field. Um, you know Mike Jordan has has held his own for the most part Uh, you know and Jonah Williams is going to be a guy that I'm really fascinated with at left tackle I mean we talk a lot about the quarterback and all these other positions but really the more difficult one to find in the NFL these days has been a solid left tackle and that the scarcity of those are about as scarce as a as a good quarterback and so you know I think you saw that last year as you knew that left tackle was an issue. And there just wasn't anybody you could go say, hey, we need to go find a a serviceable guy at that position. I mean, that is an elite spot and a a very um, premium position in the NFL. So I think as we look at Joe Burrow's development, I think Jonah Williams is going to be just as important to watch. uh, Because since the Bengals let Andrew Whitworth walk a few years ago, they just have never been able to find that left tackle. I mean, you go look at you know, they tried to flip Cedric O'Blahey over there. That didn't work. They tried to trade for Cordy Glenn. That obviously was a disaster. Um, and, and now you hope that Jonah can fill out. And so far, I think he's done really well. And I got to watch him a little bit in the SEC. And I thought he was the best left tackle in the conference. And I think right. that he can. Tra- if that translates over, that bodes just as well as having Joe Burrow at quarterback.
2: And you, and you say he's looked impressive so far, right?
1: Yeah, I've, I think Jonah has been been very good. I mean, he's held his own. He had this, it's been hard. I mean, you, like you said, all eyes have been on Joe Burrow's development. That's the thing that a yeah. lot of us have been watching. But, you know, I think Jonah has looked good in, in the reps that we've seen so far.
3: And,
2: and what about um, – you mentioned the defense. We keep hearing that perhaps Lou and Arumu is <sighs> – is toying with the idea of more flexibility, especially you know, you've got Von Bell who might come up and play more in the box, for instance, which would fit with some of his New York Giant, you know, uh, days. Uh, he liked doing that when he was with the Giants. Um, uh, there was there's talk about maybe going, you know, switching to a three four, something like that, you know, just having greater flexibility. And I think we saw Carlos Dunlap rushing, uh. In a, in a kind of half stance, you know, not in not with his hands in the dirt. Did you notice anything in terms of formation uh, for the defense at all?
1: Yeah, the scrimmage, it's a, little, it's a little hard to see. I mean, the vantage point they've had us at, it's really difficult to get all 11,
3: yeah.
1: um, you know, to see that full feel like we would if we're in the press box. However, in talking to people throughout the offseason, especially on the defensive side of the ball, I think you're starting to see that they will look more like a traditional 3-4 um, and in Lou's mind, I think that's always the vision he's had for the defense. He hasn't necessarily had the pieces for it. I know that he believes that Carlos and Sam can both kind of play that that hybrid position that you see on the edge in a in a three-four position where, you know, if you need him to drop back, you can, or if you need him to come down, uh, that's you're able mm-hmm. to do that. I think honestly that's why the DJ Reader edition was so vital, is that you can put um, you know, not to get too technical here, but you could put DJ directly on the nose. So like yeah. at a zero is what they would call that technique or maybe shade him a little bit. Yeah. And then you could play Geno Atkins at maybe the three tech, which is your traditional defensive tackle. Yeah. And yeah. then you can put um, Carlos and Sam at the at the edges and maybe you can drop one of those guys. And so yeah. you, would, you would play ideally two stack linebackers. So guys who are going to be across the middle and then maybe shade, um, you know, another one of these guys, uh, those linebackers on the weak side, so you know I think it's a you are going to see some flexibility within that three four. And yeah. like you said, the ability to have Von Bell in the box is a very similar to what Sean Williams did in the box last year. I mean, that's yeah. go back and look at what they did. They played Sean primarily yeah. in the box, and so Von, if you look at what where he lined up in New Orleans and throughout his career, he's traditionally been that box safety. Mm-hmm. So I think you're going to see a little bit. Um, you know, what the, the defense looked like last year. It's going to be very much the same philosophy, but mm. you're going to see more structure, I think, in that 3-4, which should benefit the defense because I think they need to improve and Lou's got to improve as well. And I think that's no secret to anybody.
2: And, of course, he's got arguably – well, not arguably. I think it's you can quite safely say he's got better players this year as well.
1: Yeah, I think that was the and, – and, you know, I think Lou privately will probably tell you that – you know, that's something that he wanted to see. And, and you know, once, he, once they really cut Preston Brown last year in the middle of the year, that it showed that the coaching staff was probably going to get more say in what they wanted to do and what they wanted this team to look like. And, you know, they've upgraded at nearly every spot of that defense. And, you know, I think yeah. the one question mark that I still have is going to be at cornerback, and, you know, with Trey Wayne's out for, you know, at least um, a, a good chunk of the early part of the year – it's going to be, you know, can, can that secondary get better? And I thought it was interesting yesterday that Zach Taylor, before we got off the conference call with him after the scrimmage, he made it a point to say good things about William Jackson. And I think he's mm. a guy that they're going to need him to play well. You know, he's, you know, been beat a couple of times early in the week. And, you know, I think he's going to be someone who really needs to play better as he enters the final year of his rookie deal. Uh, but, you know, if Zach, you know, for Zach to say that I think is, good, is a good sign moving forward. But, you know, with him, Mackenzie Alexander, they need these linebackers to cover better. You go look at what they did. in last year, no team gave up more yards in the, through the air in the middle of the field than the Cincinnati Bengals. So that's going to be something to watch as, as you move forward. So all these players are going to need to produce results at the end of the day.
2: Yeah, that seems to be an ongoing thing with the Bengals for a decade or so. The coverage in the middle of the field – I mean, they've been very strong on the outside, but very kind of weak in the middle. But uh, what are you expecting? Any players? To, I mean, we, we've heard about Mike Thomas, who's had a, a decent week. We've obviously heard about Auden Tate and uh, DJ Reader and Mike Daniels' flashball accounts. The linebackers look competitive. Um, again, it's difficult to judge, as you say, because they're not playing against another NFL team. Um, so it's going to be interesting. Do, do you, What do you expect? Do you... Do you expect the Bengals to dip back into free agency and go on the waivers to to pluck anyone else um, before the start of the season? And do do you expect anyone else on the current roster to make a late, who are on this bubble, as you mentioned, uh, to make a, a late play for the roster?
1: Yeah, it's going to be – I need to go back and, and really take a look As today's our off day, you know, after that mm. first week to see kind of who's maybe separated themselves. I think that running back unit's going to be probably one of the more competitive ones. That You know, yesterday, Jock, Jock's uh, Patrick had a really – I may have butchered his name, unfortunately, but, you know, he's he was their <laughs> XFL edition that they added. And when mm. he went back and looked at it, it was kind of a safety guard in case, you know, something did happen to Rodney Anderson. And sure mm. enough, it did, you know, with him being cut. So Patrick's yeah. addition has been huge. And, you know, I think that's going to – that back of the room could look very interesting because depending on how many running backs they want to keep, you know, right now you're obviously going to have Joe Mixon and Gio Bernard. Um, and, and that battle, you know, if they decide to go down to three between Samajé Pirine, Travion Williams, and Patrick could be very interesting. And, you know, mm-hmm. and I, Travion's a guy I've known very well. You know, I, I covered him all three years that he was at Texas A&M. Um, so I've seen every one of his games for the last four years. And, you know, he's had a he's had an in- interesting week. I think there was a, a pass that he dropped that he probably wanted back. Um, mm-hmm. I think he had another one yesterday he probably would have liked to have. But he's able to run the ball well when they've given him that opportunity. He's able to block well. Um, obviously a guy that Jim Turner feels comfortable with because Turner was also at A&M. Um, I think that's going to be a unit to watch. These linebackers, you know, can Logan Wilson push for a starting job? Um, you know, I, I think that's something that – When they drafted him, that was kind of the expectation. But Josh Bynes has played really well. For him to have an interception the other day, I think is going to be huge. And, you know, when you talked about the waivers, that's something that hasn't really been talked about a ton, but I expect will be something to watch as we move forward. Because the the back of other teams' rosters, probably looks a little better than the back of the Bengals roster. And because the Bengals, Bengals are going to have that number one position on the waiver wire, mm. they're going to be able to refill that back and be pretty aggressive uh, if they feel like there's somebody on the market. So I would be stunned if they go through with that position and given how bad they were last year, if they don't take advantage of that and say, okay, you know, mm. maybe we can shore up this position here you know, and, and somebody didn't make a roster spot somewhere else around the league. I mean, that's the benefit of having, you know, that position on the waiver wire. So I would – I'm definitely something – that's definitely going to be something I keep my eye on as we go towards, uh, you know, once cuts occur uh, in a couple weeks to see what the Bengals do and how they approach that. But I imagine, you know, that's something they'll look at pretty extensively.
2: And just finally, Ben, um, are they keeping all four quarterbacks, do you think?
1: That's a very interesting question. I mean, I I honestly – If I was going to keep one, I hate to say it, but Jake Dolagawa seems to be the odd man. I mean, that's the one that doesn't really make much sense to me. I mean, I think Mm. if you're going to want a quarterback, you know, you've got Joe Burrow, you're going to have Ryan Finley, who I think has actually looked a lot better this offseason. You know, he's made some good throws, and I've been pretty impressed with what he's been able to do. I mean, last year it was interesting. His camp, he looked atrocious, but on preseason games, that's when he really started to play well. And this year – He's playing well from the out from the jump, and you can tell he's put in a lot of work. And mm. you know, I think with Allen, I mean, they haven't even made him take team reps. I mean, they keep right. him pretty distance at practice. He's basically your guy that if all the other quarterbacks get sick, if they all contract mm. the coronavirus, you've got one healthy guy who hasn't been around everybody else. That's basically he's the quarantine quarterback essentially. Right. <laughs> um, you know, and so if you're gonna keep four. I, what I would do is, is put Dolagawa, you know, I would run the risk of putting him on the practice squad. I said, mm-hmm. listen, I know you've got him with practice squad eligibility. If another team takes him, so be it. You've got your quarterback already. Um, you know, I think it makes sense to have three on the active roster. Um, you know, honestly, you can make an argument just for having two on the active roster. But mm-hmm. um, You know, I, I thought honestly, they probably should have done something else with Dolagawa's roster spot last year. That's just, mm-hmm. that's just me. Uh, but, you know, they really like him. They want to see what he can do. But at this point, you know who your number one quarterback is and you, you know you probably feel good enough that Ryan Finley is going to be your backup. So, you know, I, I think that four on the roster is a little too much.
2: Yeah, I agree. I think I think the quarterback landscape has changed considerably since last uh, right. training camp. So, uh, listen, Ben, just one final question. You're going out for an Indian meal. We've been talking about curry and whatnot. What's your go-to Indian dish when you go out to – to your favorite Indian
1: restaurant so so growing up both my parents my dad lived in North India growing up but I think he's predominantly from South Indian heritage so we ate a lot of the South Indian cuisine okay Um, you know it's you know your rice you know chicken curry
0: um
1: Mm. you know pretty simple stuff you know South Indian food and North Indian food looks a lot different like chicken biryani is a a southern dish um that we'll eat a good amount I mean but so when I go out to eat I love eating North Indian food since I didn't have a ton of that growing up so You know, I usually go with a little bit of rice, uh, some butter chicken or chicken tikka masala, one of those two, um, and then some naan. That's all I need. I mean, that's – I'm very basic guy, you know, just a little bit of rice, you know, butter chicken and chicken tikka when they're done well. Um, you're seeing some Indo-Chinese um, fusion curries, you know, like oh, okay. a, a chicken 65. I'm a big fan of that because it's got a little bit of kick to it. Right,
2: right. Um,
1: um, but, yeah, it's been – that's uh, yeah you're making me hungry now because that's that's my that's my uh go-to when i'm out i said if i see it on the menu i said all right let's wrap it up and let's call it a day that's all i need
2: good answer and you're making me hungry now it's about half past seven here in the uk which means uh means dinner time i think so listen ben always a treat to talk to you take care of yourself over there and hopefully we can speak again uh during the season yeah
1: yeah sounds good thanks for having me paul it's always a blast
2: Well, there you go. That was Ben Baby um, talking about Indian food, talking about British sport, talking about the Bengals. And uh, thanks to Ben and, as Nathan said earlier, uh, his uh, Cincinnati media colleagues who have been providing us with a fantastic array of videos and coverage. And Ben has been right there in... Uh, amongst it so uh, many thanks to Ben always good to talk to him uh, Should we do some questions Nathan? Let's do it uh, As ever you can get hold of us uh, at Today Undo Score UK on Twitter and Bengals UK on Facebook uh, We're going to be quite active in the coming weeks so watch out for some bits and pieces from us. We're planning our online tailgate for three weeks time that's going to kick the season off Uh, So lots of exciting things. And you never know, we might be able to squeeze in and meet up at some point much later in the year. I don't know. Don't hold me to that. Who knows? We've just got to see what's happening with the pandemic. But as ever, thank you for your questions and your shout outs. So let's get to it. uh, Let's start with Michael. Oh, and I must say that uh, we do have an exciting installment of First and Ten. We'll do that in a couple of minutes uh, so stand by for that. Uh, we're going to start our questions with Michael McGarren at Med Writer Mike. How is our new solid
0: handle? Solid, solid handle.
2: because yeah. Mike, Mike's, Mike's, you know, Mike's a solid guy with a solid handle. Uh, how is our new linebacking call looking, and who are the likely starters? Um, again, difficult to say. You hear different things. I do think. I mean, people were raving about Josh Bynes, like. Thursday or Friday how intelligent he is how how well he's actually playing and people were saying that they, the Bengals have actually got a really good uh, player here but then a few negative things over the weekend so it's very very difficult to form an opinion when we're sat here and we don't see we've only you know we only see clips but from what what you read and what you hear everyone's making splash plays you know Logan Wilson Akeem Davis Gaither Austin Calitro. unfortunately Jordan Evans was uh, Jordan Evans was um, carted off today. So we hope that's not too serious because by all accounts he's uh, re- recalibrated his body and come back much stronger this off-season. He's got, of course, a, a point to prove. So it is difficult, but I, I think you, you can't really look past, I would say, um, Josh Bynes and Jermaine Pratt in certainly starting in this base defence. You can't expect Josh Bryan to play every down. He's not really a three-down guy, but certainly in that base defence, he's going to start. Um, I wouldn't bet against someone like Austin Kalitro starting in a, in a base defence, but who knows? You know, I think Akeem Davis-Gaither will be... They're going to slot him in all over the defence. I really do think that. Uh, and I do think Logan Wilson is going to be more of a three-down player than Hakeem Davis-Gaith. And then, of course, you've got Marcus Bailey as, as well. So
0: um... yes, I think the linebacker area is a real area where there's such a lack of experience for players that have played for the Bengals. I, mean, I don't think any one of those linebackers, apart from um, your mate Jordan Evans, has been on the team for more than two years. Yeah. I mean, you've got all these names. So many rookies, three rookies in there that you just talked about. Obviously, Bynes coming over as a free agent. You have got Pratt, who's got less than a year's experience, or well, a year's experience, but he didn't really play until the end of the year. So it's a really inexperienced unit in terms of <clears throat> their experience with the Bengals. It is going to be very interesting again with no preseason to see how they all gel together because linebackers, all of those signals and, you know, figuring out, you know, one of those guys probably Bynes, well, Bynes is on the field for three downs, but one of those guys is going to need to be calling, you know, lining up the defense, getting everyone in position, trying to read what the quarterback's doing. So mm-hmm. it's going to be, it is going to be, I mean, you used to rely on someone like Vontez Burfick for that, who, you know, despite all these crazy sort of, um, colourful um, issues, shall we say. It was a very smart football brain. Um, it's going to be interesting to see who takes over that role with a very inexperienced unit that may not be used to sort of seeing how that translates to a live game.
2: Very well said. Uh, Memphis Soul Stew at Stuart Baird 688. Hello, Stew. With no pre-season games, is there a chance of genuine talent from a lower draft or undrafted free agent that may may need a game or two, or may get dropped and lose their opportunity. After all, TB was a fifth round pick. Sorry for the sensible question. That's all right, Stuart. Uh, makes a nice change, I must say. I think I think what he's getting at is 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 it going to be more difficult to players to not only make the team but to kind of play well at a really good standard. And I I think the answer is it is going to be more difficult as we've sort of spoken about really don't you i mean again that i wouldn't be surprised if we the first couple of 3 weeks of this nfl season is just a full of really messy football lots of mistakes i mean it might actually make for some exciting games but certainly the standard of play um might not be fantastic and for those guys on the bubble it is going to be really really difficult to to make an impression i think
0: I, I think I agree, and I think the other thing what's going to happen for me is that you're going to see a lot of these guys, maybe in the seventh round through to under, uh, under after free agents, that end up being cut, don't find a home, and or are on practice squads or whatever, and end up in the XFL and make a bit of a name for themselves there, or some maybe the Canadian Football League, but I know that's been suspended, but some sort of other league where they've not been given the chance and therefore get a platform in which to sort of present themselves and show themselves off and then maybe end up back in the league in a year or two years because there's so many players every year on every team. There's one guy or two guys that really make an impact. Last year, it was Willis for us. He, he was fantastic in the preseason, caught everything to the point Zach Taylor came out and said, this guy's starting um in week Mm. one which was outrageous really looking back at it now but in this sort of season he doesn't get that opportunity in training camp or if he he does it's on a far more limited basis certainly absolutely no chance he gets called out as being the starter so there's going to be a lot of those guys that if they're good enough maybe eventually they've Find their way onto the team by the practice squad, but I do think there's going to be a lot of them that maybe further down the line end up in the CFL or the XFL or some sort of developmental league and maybe then find themselves back on an NFL roster in a year or two's time.
2: We shall see Duncan at Dastardly Duncan. If Joe, Solid handle. If Joe Burrow was a character from any fictional TV show or movie, who would he be? And we've, Fire,
0: al- we've already. Fireman got Sam. Fireman Sam? Why I can fi- see Joe Burrow as Fireman Sam, like quite a sort of do good in, like, quite well built, good guy, can't really <laughs> knock him, always comes to the rescue. Fireman Sam.
2: Okay. Uh, I have no. Uh, it's a really tricky question, isn't it, really? Um, I don't know. I'm going to have to think about that one, Duncan. Uh, Becky Vogt um, says, Andy... Du- Sorry if I pronounced your name wrong, uh, Becky. Andy Dufresne from the Shawshank Redemption. Joe Burrow equals cool, calm and brainy, just like Andy. But hopefully not in prison like Andy, Dufresne, Becky. Uh, right, uh, Martin Calladine <laughs> at Ugly Game. Given that no coach in the 16-game era has ever had a two or fewer win season, survived and then had an eight-win or better season, do you think Bengals fans need to suppress expectations a little? Do you know what? Every Bengals fans This is a good question, Martin. I every Bengals fan I've spoken to is fairly realistic, and I think they would take an eight and eight, seven and nine, nine and seven season, something like that. I think the talent is there certainly. Um, I think we had a good off season. On paper, we're a much better team, but you know, I think the pressure is on Zach. You know. Uh, it, <laughs> actually i do, I do think the pressure's on Zach, but I do think that even if they have a bad year this year that he will be given another one because of uh the Covid pandemic because again it's difficult to get your team into shape but certainly Zach's under pressure and I will say this um that the last well the two times that the bengals uh went to the super Bowl They followed up four and twelve seasons with a Super Bowl appearance. Now I'm not saying they're going to do that this year. uh, Far from it, actually. But um, it just shows you weird things can happen.
0: Yeah, I think to 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 the point of the question. I think a lot of fans, uh, every team, every fan of every team out there now thinks there's half a chance their team could go deep. And we were the worst team in the league last year. I love saying that because we were. Sometimes you have to have a reality check with this, but we were. And I think people do need to temper their expectations. If we can win seven games this year with a rookie quarterback, no preseason, a second year head coach, having won two games last year, it'd be a fantastic improvement. I think we have to temper expectations. And I think that, like I said, seven games would be excellent. I mean, any more than that, and Zach Taylor would be heralded and be in discussion honestly if Taylor was doing nine or more games he'd be straight there for the coach of the year discussion straight there
2: yeah no I agree I agree right let's take it back from the questions and let's play first and ten right as promised we are going to play first and ten and I'm delighted to say making a return to the podcast is our old friend Jim Bingham out in well it's not Tokyo anymore is it you've moved but you are in Japan still
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're in the next prefecture in Kanagawa, a place called Zushi, uh, just by the sea. But yeah, Greater Tokyo. Yeah, it's okay. Jim from Greater Tokyo is okay. Okay, very good. And are you
2: all, uh, you obviously been listening to the podcast, Jim, um, uh, and you fancied your chances, right?
3: uh absolutely yeah yeah yeah. i mean uh, as long as i get the same amount of support as the uh, contestant did last week with uh questions i'll be i'll be fine i reckon (laughs) (laughs) okay let's play first and ten
2: As you probably know, Jim, the rules. First of all, are you you excited about Borough? I haven't really spoken to you about Borough and all the rest of it. Are you, in a word, are you juiced up and ready to go for the season?
3: I can't wait. I mean, I I heard that he he had a six out of six, 69 yards and two touchdowns or something. Do you know what I mean? Like in in a scrimmage. So, obviously... 13-3, 13-3, we're going to the Super Bowl, my friend. It's definitely going to happen. No, but I think he's going to be great, isn't
2: he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, as you probably know, but let's just go over the rules again. You start at your own 20. You have 12 questions to move the ball 80 yards. Okay. Um, each question, uh, well, you've got three choices on each question. Uh, a five-yard gain, which is an easy question. A 10-yard gain, which is a, a moderately difficult question. Or uh, a full on play action fake long pass for a touchdown. Uh, you've got four downs, like the game itself, you have four downs uh, for each play. Um, so let's get going.
3: Okay, I'm sweating what, already.
2: What are you, I can see your excitement. Um, <laughs> what, what, what are you going for on your first down and 10? An easy, medium, or hard question?
3: Uh, give me. Uh, we'll start with an easy one. Get this, okay. get this drive going. Nice easy run, straight up the gut. Okay. Who wrote the Harry Potter books? Uh J.K. Rowling. Correct!
2: <laughs> That's a nice little biff up the middle for a... <laughs> <behind the> game.
3: <laughs> uh okay, question two, and it's second and five. Uh I'm going to go for... I'm going to go for another easy one, get that first down. Okay.
2: What is... The, oh, playing it safe, but I, can, I thought you'd be, like, a, quite a flare. Flairy offensive (laughs) coordinator, but you're playing it safe at the moment. What is the primary ingredient
3: in hummus? Uh, Chickpeas. Correct, and a first down. Right, that that, that escaped me for a second there. My word. word.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Question three, and you are on the thirty-yard line. What are you going for? Well,
3: it's 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 time to open up the offense, isn't it? Okay, let's go for a medium. Okay, let's go for a medium
2: indeed. What? colourful body of water separates Saudi Arabia from Africa.
3: Saudi Arabia Africa.
2: Let's see now. The Red Sea. Correct. Ooh. So,
3: and at first down. So question four, you're at the forty. I've got twelve questions, right? Correct. Okay, I'm gonna go for another uh, let's let's go for another medium, another ten yards. Let's get it onto the uh, onto the B. Okay. What is the name of the
2: stadium FC
3: Cincinnati currently playing? Oh my god! Um, Oh man!
2: Absolutely no hints, unlike last (laughs) week.
3: Oh, I, 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 I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to pass. I don't know. I don't know.
2: Oh, okay. Question five. Still a first
3: and ten. Okay. Uh. Another 10 yarder please. Okay. Medium. Second and
2: 10. What does BMW, as in the car manufacturer, stand
3: for? <laughs> uh... <laughs> oh man, it, the sweat is now running down my face. <laughs> Showers, can you feel the pass rush coming at you? Yeah, <laughs> I really can. BMW, so yeah. okay, so the M is um machine. Oh man, oh, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. Bavarian
2: Motor Works, that was a tough one. Question six, and you're on third
3: and ten at your own 40. Uh, well, I'm, gonna have to go for a, I'm gonna have to go for a medium here, and then if that fails, then go for the, for go for the okay. <laughs> okay, let's do it. Third and third, Yep. What is the medium. name of Batman's butler?
2: <laughs> <laughs> Are these quite uh, every question I'm asking is just not hitting home, is it?
3: No, oh, this is this is this is internationally embarrassing. Uh, <laughs> Batman's butler. Yeah. Um, Michael. Afraid not. It is Alfred. You
2: are fourth and ten. This is for the game. What are you going okay, You still got you on question seven, so you have still got the questions in hand. Um, but
3: obviously it's fourth but fourth, and fourth but fourth and ten, right? So I mean, I've only got one choice.
2: Yeah. Well, you got two
3: choice. You could even you could go for the really hard question, or you could go for a medium. I'm I'm going to go for the really hard one. Let's chuck it down the field. Five seconds left. A.J. Green never against the Browns. This. You're <laughs> never gonna get this. Um, <laughs> really?
2: Go on, then. What is Kendrick Lamar's real last name?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, man.
3: <laughs> oh, so you've, just out, this this. you've just done this to... You've just this to balance last week, haven't you? <laughs> um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> is, it, is this last name anything to do with cheese? <laughs> it's not <Is> it? no. <laughs> it's not you, right. Okay, you did say <laughs> you were
2: going to answer every question with cheese. <laughs> so slightly disappointed.
3: No, okay, I think his I think his last name
2: is McCormick. It's a good guess, but it's not right. It is Duckworth ah. Kendrick ah. Duckworth. It's a game over, Jim. You're at the forty yard You you flaked out on the forty. Unlucky. I've
3: got I've got absolutely nothing to say. Can't see nothing to say apart from, apart, from, apart from sorry to myself <laughs>
2: and your family and your friends. You've let yeah. everyone down.
3: Man. You really have. Yeah, pretty much. I'm going to go to a, a deep, um, I don't know, drinking cycle after this, I think. You know I mean, okay. just, just sort of ban- <laughs> banish the memories. Don't blame <laughs> me
2: if you catapult into a vortex of alcoholism.
3: Um,
2: <laughs> nice. Okay, man. Well, it's good to talk to you as ever. And uh, hopefully we can catch up during the season. Cheers, Jim.
3: Okay, take it on. All right.
2: There you go. I feel bad for Jimmy there, but he had a bit of a shit house. Let's face it. Uh, but then again, I probably wouldn't have got some of those questions either. And isn't it weird? Um, kind of, you know, when you do a quiz, that some some questions just kind of spark your brain straight away, and then some of them there's just no recognition whatsoever. So, apologies, Jim. I think it was uh, unlucky that you got a bunch of questions that uh, were quite tough this week. And I was, I was, did you like it, Nathan? I wasn't giving any hints like I was to Marissa last week.
0: Uh, you, you, you were just giving them away, son. You were just like a children's TV presenter last week, you know, just baiting Marissa with chi- the tips and the hints. Children's Staying TV you, presenter.
2: presenter. Deary me. Uh, so, yes, You're I'm not poor,
0: giving. Poor old Jim out in Tokyo, a hard time when you just let Marissa off the hook. I know, I know.
2: But she was a guest. Uh, well, Jim's a guest, but he's also a friend, so I'm allowed to be harder on. Than... On
0: Jim, no, I give it. I give it to
2: you. Um, we'll be back. Uh, we'll probably carry this on for about ten weeks, I think. Then we can get a proper winner. So and Marissa is still winning. She is the only touchdown scorer. Nathan flunked out, obviously, on his on the thirty yard line. I think it was. <laughs> Jimmy stalled at his forty, uh, but Marissa scored a fifty yard touchdown. So she, within nine questions, I believe. So Marissa is atop the leaderboard.
0: Uh, but the, I, Marissa obviously got an easy run and was a guest, so you obviously she's she's potentially a default here. So I would say I'm still right. in the lead, having just slightly piped Jim.
2: Okay. Well, we'll see. Well, I've got to I've got to decide whether Marissa counts. I think she does. Frankly, she's a human being as well, Nathan, just like you and Jimmy. <laughs> uh, right. Let's get back to the questions. Oh, by the way, if anybody does want to take part in first and ten, uh, then just get in touch with us. And you can be on the podcast as well. How exciting! What a carrot that is to dangle in front
0: of you. With a chance to win a cash prize of forty five (laughs) thousand pounds
2: from Nathan's bank account. Right, Simon Hunter at Simon Hunter underscore. I like that he's just shoved instead of shoving an underscore in the middle of his name. Simon's put one right at the
0: end. It's not not enough for a solid handle for me.
2: No, no. Well, you know. I like the rogue underscore there. Anyway, fun question: Who on the roster would you compare yourselves to? Serious question: Who is your biggest concern with the roster at the moment? I think we should nominate a player for each of us, right? So I'll I'll tell. I think. I think. um, I think a player on the roster I'd compare you to would be. Joe Mixon, I think. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you are salt.
2: No, it's tricky. one with you. I'm going to go for either Geo or CJ Uzama because you've got quite a cheek. They're both quite cheeky, and you've got a you've got a bit of a cheeky sense of humour, haven't you, Nathan? Uh, you like yeah, to I play don't... jokes on each other. Uh, so I'm yeah, going to go for either that. Gio or CJ. I'm not giving you Joe Burrow. There is not a chance in hell that I'm comparing <laughs> you to Joe Burrow because I would just I all... <laughs> would not hear the end of it, mate. Uh,
0: for you, son, I'm yeah. going to say Josh Bynes. What's like a mean? veteran, been around the league oh, a bit. Yeah, cheers. Solid at his job, good yeah. at what he does, respected yeah. by his peers. Not a three-down play player. A, <laughs> not a three-down player. But, Lazy. But, but yeah. comes in <laughs> but comes in when he needs to, and makes a difference
2: all right uh I'll just about take that i think um <laughs> uh, right, serious question, what's your biggest concern with the roster? I think you st- i think we talked about the offensive line there's still a few moments that uh i you know you, we don't know really, but I think at the moment the uh the secondary is is causing me a little bit of certainly the cornerbacks uh uh causing me a little bit of concern at the moment.
0: I think I think for me it's definitely the set I think it's the coverage, shall we say, including the linebackers in that. I think with Trey Wayne's going down and being out for a while and the fact that that was a big, big issue for us last year. There's a lot of talk about around Anarumu and should he should he be gone? Should he stay and I mean, there's been a lot of transition there. Obviously, Drake Kirkpatrick's gone out. A couple of new guys have come in. We're trying to sort of promote a few rookies and a few players that are sort of year one, year two players. The linebackers, as we discussed, a lot of rookies there as well. To transition them in is going to be tough. That does worry me. It does. And I, as much as we're much better up front with DJ Reader, fantastic addition there. Obviously, Carl Lawson's looking good and he's healthy at the moment, which is great. That That line could be fantastic, but it's just... If teams can get the ball out quickly, if they can get the ball downfield and they have time, I, I do worry about tight ends over the middle, as we always do as Bengals mm. fans. And, you know, can teams creatively take advantage of that potential weakness for us? We need WJ3 to play hard. That's the geezer that we need to have a good year. I think WJ3, so. play up to his potential, make sure he's fully fit and he can really be a bit of a force for other teams' players like Keenan Allen in week one.
2: Well, maybe we'll that could be our theme for next week. Let's identify some players who need big years, okay? Um that might be fun to talk about. Or it might not good. who knows. Uh Warrior at Warrior Nate ninety nine. Solid handle. Have either of you two outstanding chaps ever been to watch a Brit ball game? Uh, which is the British American Football League? If so, which teams do you watch keep up the good work? I mean, Nate. The, the short answer is no, I've not. But I actually would do. I think, um, and I think I think I've looked. I think there's a, there's a there's a couple of teams in London. So obviously I'm in London. Well, that was not obvious, but I am in London. And I think there's one at Finsbury Park, which is very close to me. Um, I would go and watch it actually, because uh, talking about Simon Hunter earlier, really, just whose question we answered, he goes to see um, his local cricket team uh, every Saturday. And I quite fancy that. I might go and see Hampstead CCC because apparently this is going to, again, sorry, American uh, listeners, but apparently Middlesex, which is a professional team, a professional county, because the cricket pro cricket teams over here are split up into counties, um, there's about 18 counties, I believe. Um, they send out a, a pro to play for for each team in the amateur North Middlesex League. And guess who plays occasionally for Hampstead? Go on. Steve Finn. England international, Steve Finn. Oh, really? Yeah, so I'm thinking oh, I might pole up to Hampstead one of these days for a bit of a... Sit in the sun and watch a day's worth of cricket. Uh,
0: and I imagine watched... you're playing locally, and Steve Finn's charging in from the other end. You're yeah, just like you've been promoted from like the second or third team or something, and he comes yeah. charging in, bowling 85 mile an hour at you. Yeah,
2: you're working like I don't know Tesco's during the week or whatever, and then on the weekend you rock up with your pads, looking forward to the game, uh, and then you see some six foot seven bloke tear in and bowl a 90 mile an hour ball at you.
0: Um, you 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 flick off your pads for four. Yeah, hey, I <laughs>
2: smash him over his head for six. Hey, That's Stephen Finn, you fuck. <laughs> um, um, what's that? but I uh, know I would go and see a Britball game. I have to say, I would absolutely go and see a game. Would
0: you? I've seen the Kent Falcons play down at my university. I can't remember where they were playing. It's about ten years ago now, but I did watch one of their games. Um, uh, I haven't been since, but yeah, I'd certainly be up for it.
2: Okay, Jamie at Twycart Beaster. I'm on holiday right now in the Yorkshire Dales. What are your favourite holiday spots in this sceptred isle? I mean, you. I mean, uh, Cornwall is lovely. That's amazing. Uh, Devon and Dorset are great. Um, North Norfolk is kind of a little bit unheralded. Uh, Wales, where I went to the to the Gower. Uh, Peninsula, that's really lovely, and of course, in in more inland at the mountains, uh, Wales is pretty spectacular. Actually, uh, the Lake District is great. I mean, we're pretty lucky. I, I, the one of the one of the, my favourite is Cornwall. I think just about because
0: uh, yeah, we, Cornwall and Devon for me. I've been down there quite a few times. Beautiful down there. That part yeah. of, the one place I want to see more of. that I haven't seen enough of. Is up in Scotland. Yeah, I was going to say really I, go I would love to go up, to... up there because I've I've yeah. heard so many good things about. Um, the Highlands, different parts of Scotland, they're absolutely yeah. beautiful, and I, I'd definitely like to do that. but you have to have a, a good car and a few people, and you yeah. might have to camp a few nights, and it's a bit of a, one of those road trips that I think will be, is definitely on my to-do list.
2: Yeah, you and me both, I've not really explored Scotland, and I'd love to, especially some of the islands as well, I'd love to do that. Uh, one place mm. I must give a shout out to is Whitby, uh, I went there a few years ago and I absolutely loved it, and beaches there are incredible, so so I'd say Whitby as well. Uh, TJ Hushmanzada's shiny shoes at TJ's shiny shoes. Oh, I'm going to give that a solid handle if you're not. Um, after calling your former favourite player, BW Web, BJ Webb in the last episode. <laughs> <laughs> I really did do that, and I feel slightly ashamed, really um <laughs> what i can't believe i did that really um uh, the, we didn't none of us noticed i know we neither no, no, you or i uh, Notice, and of course we both got called out on it uh what's your greatest freudian slip i have to say that one really um definitely that one
0: yeah i got none spring to mind for me but that was a that was a classic last week for you my son
2: yeah, I hung my head with extreme embarrassment. I wonder what B, BJ is doing at the moment. Um, has he been picked <laughs> up by a team? Because we heard today that Dre Kirkpatrick uh, was picked up by the Cardinals, the Arizona Cardinals, so best of luck to to Dre. But have we heard anything about BJ?
0: I don't think we have some, but I'm, I'm sure he's a bit slightly what, con- concerned for himself if he comes <laughs> back to the Bengals any time soon. <laughs>
2: All right, thank you so much for your question. That's about it for this week's episode. We'll be back next week. Uh, as I say, things are going to heat up a little bit, so do stay in touch. Uh, keep asking questions and uh, and interacting with us on social media. Again, at underscore UK on Twitter and Bengals UK on Facebook. So until next week, be good, stay safe, and it is a Who day from me.
0: And a hootay from me. Cheers, guys.
2: And it should also be noted that the views and opinions expressed within this podcast do not reflect those of the Cincinnati Bengals organisation.